Looking for the best gifts for everyone on your list? Kendra Scott has just what you need. Find jewelry for every style and an affordable price. From diamonds and genuine stones to the season's best trends, Kendra Scott Jewelry is a gift that's sure to wow. You might even find a few things for yourself. Shop now at KendraScott.com and enjoy 15% off your order with code JOY15. Tis the season to give joy. Hey guys, and welcome to the Startup Diary podcast. Now, you're in for a treat on today's show. We have Ryan Serhant on the show. Now, if you don't know who Ryan Serhant is, he is a co-star on Bravo's Million Dollar Listing New York and the star of his own TV show, Sell It Like Serhant. He works as a real estate agent for Nest Seekers International, one of the fastest growing real estate firms in New York City and has been named by The Real Deal as one of the most successful salespeople in New York. Now, I'm reading that straight off the back of his new book that launches next month, September the 18th. This is a pre-release copy, and Ryan jumps on the show today to talk about sales. Now, I wanted to open the show and just let you know we had some severe connection issues. A huge appreciation to Ryan for powering through and recording the show with us so you guys, our listeners, can learn more about sales. Enjoy the show, guys. Even though it was interrupted with a connection, there's still some great value here. Hey guys, and welcome to the Startup Diary. And we are joined by Mr. Ryan Serhant on the show today. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So, Ryan, I am super pumped to have you on the show because everyone that listens to this podcast knows uh, I am a natural. I'm a salesman at heart. It's what I do. It's what I love. Me and Harry actually had this conversation before we got on the mics and we were having a debate of whether someone is actually born good at sales or whether it's teachable. And I'm actually holding a pre-release copy of your book. So after I've read that, I appreciate you sending that across. After I read that, it actually changed my view on it after understanding where your background came from that you sort of stumbled into sales. So for the listeners of the show, just to give some context, can we take it back to the days where sales was not top of mind for you and you were actually chasing a different career. Can we talk about that just to show people the journey that you've been on? Where did it all start for you over in New York? Oh, man. So you want to go back to the dark days, the dark <laughs> Exactly days. that. Dark times, when it, literally, because I had a, an apartment that didn't have a whole lot of light. Um, so I, I, I started, I graduated college in 2006. I came down to New York City right after that. And I wanted to be an actor, you know, at first, that was my first goal, you know, my kind of my first life passion was to do that. I wasn't great at math, you know, school was just kind of a thing. Uh, There was no subject that I was super passionate about really except for theater. And I had a little money saved up uh, from kind of like odd jobs and things like that. And I thought that that would last me like 10 years in New York City, which was (laughs) not true. And I tried acting, it didn't really work out. I made no money. I I hand modeled, I did a little soap opera work, I, I played a, a clock, like a grandfather clock, <laughs> played one of those in a play, like I, I did Romeo and Juliet where I played like an understudy on the West Side Highway, like just the most ridiculous things just because I wanted to do anything possible and you never know, you know, you do as many different jobs as possible and see who notices you. Um, but then in 2008, I really actually ran out of money and it was either go home or get a survival job. And a survival job meant be a waiter or a bartender. And I didn't really want to do that. 
And so I had a friend who was doing real estate rentals and he just kept telling me, he's like, listen, the market's awesome. It's amazing. Now, granted, this is the beginning of 2008. Uh, he's saying, you know, I post an ad on Craigslist and on the internet and people just buy apartments over the phone. It's awesome. You should come do this. You know, you set your own hours. You don't have any boss and you do all your acting stuff whenever you want. And so I finally acquiesced and said, okay, fine. I took my real estate license uh, exam. I did not want to be a real estate broker whatsoever. I hated real estate brokers. I didn't even like salespeople. I didn't like being sold anything. Um, I was kind of really just like an introvert who just liked movies and plays. And I wanted to be other people, which is why I wanted to go into theater, right? I wasn't really comfortable being myself 100%. So it was easier for me to become other people and play other characters. Uh, and so I finally got my real estate license and started on September 15th, 2008, the day that Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy and the day that kicked off the subprime mortgage collapse with the biggest recession in the history of the world. Um, so that was day one for me in the office. And a lot of people got out of the business because it became really hard and they couldn't close deals and no one was buying. Uh, but for me, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I didn't have any money. So I was starting from the bottom anyway. I just thought that real estate and selling was just really, really hard. I just thought that people lost their jobs every day and that was it. I just thought that people lied to you all the time. And that was just part of the job. You know, I thought it was just really, really hard to get a mortgage. And so I had to learn how to do mortgages. I had to learn how to do everything that brokers 10 years before me didn't really have to do because it wasn't a necessity for the job. For me, starting in 2008 and 2009, it was a necessity to eat. You know, I had to learn how to do everything as part of a transaction. And I got addicted to it, you know, to make a long story short, I, I did a couple early rental deals. You know, I only made $9,000 or something my first year, but uh, a few of those were from rental deals where I met somebody on the street, showed them apartments and I got paid for it in one day. And I'd never been able to do that as an actor in the city. And, and it really changed my life. And I've been doing it ever since. The fact that you did that whole transition from actor, hand model, all the way through to working at Lehman Brothers, it's a huge transition to go from being a hand model to becoming a salesman and then seeing your career now. Tell me what it was like. What was the hardest thing when you decided to get into sales? What was the biggest mental hurdle you needed to get over? Because I know from experience that can, that can be tough. Yeah, the, the hardest part for me was becoming a salesperson, honestly. I mean, I, I was the original you know, kind of anti-salesperson. And I talk about that a lot in the book because I think a lot of people see Million Dollar I think they, they or if they even sell it like Sirhant or they follow me on Instagram or they watch the vlog and they think that, okay, you're a powerful real estate broker in New York City. You sell, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate every single year. You must be born to do this. It must just be in your blood. And, and honestly, it's, it's not, you know, I, I had to find it. I had to dig it out. I had to, I had to basically learn that the tools that I was given as a little kid, I could translate and use to be better at sales, even if I never even thought that those tools were sales tools. Like the ability to convince my mom to let me stay up an extra hour when I was nine years old, that's a sales tool that I can use today to get somebody to come up $10,000 on a deal when they really didn't want to, right? But then it gets the deal done and, and the kid gets to go to bed, right? Brian, I love the fact you just mentioned the kid because one thing that I liked in the book is you talk about the fact that we like to put clients on a shelf. 
we like to sort of say, yeah. put the client on the shelf, that's done and dusted. Where in the book you talk about a messy child moves from one toy to another. And it yes. gave me a bit of uh, confusion from my side of things because I like to focus on one thing. And when I read it, I thought you were talking about your your ball, your balls up mentality and your approach to things being you then took all the balls down and focused on one thing. But as a salesman, you've got the opposite approach. Can you just talk me through that that strategy that you have about having more balls in the air than anyone else and not relying too much on one deal? Yeah, well, I mean, it comes from a lot of different places, right? I, originally, the book was actually called Balls Up, and I really wanted to name it that, <laughs> but then the publisher had an issue with that title. So uh, the book is now called Sell It Like Sir Hands. Um, but when I really look at you know my, I guess, quote-unquote success and how I've sold and how I've built the business and how I've built my team and how we consistently do better and better and better than everybody else every year, exponentially so, uh, it's because I have more balls in the air than anybody else and I, I can control them, right? And I think that a lot of people have the, the client on the shelf mentality, which is what we talk about in the book, which is, you know, you're a little kid and your parents are telling you to put away your mess before you take out another toy, right? Don't take out a board game, play with it and then leave it and then go get a G.I. Joe and then go play video games and you leave the room a mess, but what's really the issue there? The issue isn't that you are playing with toys and want to go play with other toys. The issue is that the toys are a mess and that the room is now a mess. So if you can figure out how to keep the room clean while also saving yourself time from not having to go in and out of the cupboard to get your toys every single time, then you can have easy access to all of your toys all day long. You'll be able to play with more of them. You'll be able to have more fun, more prosperity, better life, so on and so forth. And that's really the dumbed down way that I've run my business of controlled chaos. I want to have as many clients as I possibly can at any given time. And I want them all to be in motion. I don't want to ever have to forget about one client and have them be in a corner for two weeks. I don't ever want to not talk to a client every day. Everybody should be up in the air because sales is a volume business. And I really had to figure that out and put that plan into action. Honestly, early on in my career when deals were dying, Right? Because when deals were dying, I would get depressed. I would get sad. I would, I would be banking on the commission from that one sale to pay my rent. And then the sale didn't go through or the rental died. And then I had no more money and I didn't know what to do. And then you hate the business and you want to get out of it. And you just want a salary job you know, or a temp job. But if you can have multiple deals at every given time, and then if one deal dies, one ball drops, you've still got all these balls in the air you're, you're still, you're still good, right? You can still move forward. And, and as the salesman in the book, you talk about saying yes, it is selling more. At what point do you differentiate as something as an opportunity compared to a distraction? Like that's the one thing that I wanted to get into to understand what, what do you actually say no to? Cause I've seen you operate on your vlog. I've seen you operate on million dollar listing. I've seen you operate on sell like, so like you've always got a phone in your hand and you are always doing, what do you actually say no to? Cause I called emailed you guys and you got on the podcast. <laughs> so like, what do you actually say no to Ryan? <laughs> Good question. Um, it's, it's a, it's a time cost benefit analysis for me. You know, this podcast is 30 minutes and that's, that's okay for me. It helps open me up to a new audience. We're talking about my book, which I want people to buy on September 18th when it comes out, right? The time cost analysis of this podcast makes sense. If I'm meeting with a seller somebody who wants me to sell something that's really hard to sell at a price that's unrealistic and a location that's going to take me an hour to get to and an hour to get back, that's not a good 
that's not a good spend of my time. And so that's something that I'll say no to, right? But there are a lot of things that I don't personally do all day long, but my team is there. So early on, you know, it's me personally, I wasn't able to be in a thousand places at once. So I learned the power of leverage and how to leverage other people, how to work with other people in my office, how to work with other people on my team to multiply myself so that even if there's a property that's an hour away, I can work with someone on my team who lives there. So it's five minutes away for them and they can work on selling it. I'll work on it from my office in a better location, cost, benefit, time analysis, right? All works out and we can still sell the property. I'll make less money on it than I would have had I done it myself because there's a team member on it or another partner on it, but that's okay because I'm making something instead of nothing. Yeah. Uh, that, so in theory, for me, that makes complete sense. What ama- I think it's just from a, uh, it amazes the fact, the speed that you operated to get onto this show and the fact that you always, you always seem to be on. And I think you must have a lot of deal flow, but I want to take it one step back. And Harry actually made some notes because he saw something in one of your vlogs. It was something about a gym membership. So if you're in your position, you've got deal flow. People before that don't have deal flow. They're trying to find clients. And there's something that you did, you sort of hacked your way to find clients. Harry, what was your note? Yeah, I did a bit of a binge watching on the on the vlog <laughs> recently, Ryan. Uh, great great to watch, actually. It's really enjoyable. Um, but you mentioned, uh, I believe you did a keynote speech and you used an example of um, trying to build a client base uh, early on. Everyone's a potential customer um, or might know someone that can be a potential customer. Uh, and you basically use the analogy of you, you had a gym membership, you go there quite frequently. Um, that's something that you do and you interact with a lot of people on a daily basis. So one, and when you said it, it seemed like such a no brainer, but it was the fact that what can you do? You can just buy two more gym memberships, uh, opposite ends of the, uh, of the city or the state or wherever it is. And, uh, you, you've instantly like doubled or tripled the, uh, the potential customers that you can interact with. And I wanted, I wanted to dig in, Ryan, and say, when you were doing that stage of your business where you haven't yet made it, haven't got a brand, what, uh, the biggest thing that people struggle with is that first introduction. What, do you, what advice do you give mm. to people to actually open up that conversation? Because people are so scared to be, speak to people they don't know. What's your advice to those guys? At HSBC, we understand how important it is for businesses to keep pace with technology. That's why we've brought together some of the world's leading minds to ask how we can use tech to create a more sustainable future. I think everybody cares about sustainability these days. It is just the number one priority for businesses and their employees and for consumers. Watch our full video series at business.hsbc.com forward slash tech. HSBC. Together, we thrive. Looking for the best gifts for everyone on your list? Kendra Scott has just what you need. Find jewelry for every style at an affordable price. From diamonds and genuine stones to the season's best trends, Kendra Scott Jewelry is a gift that's sure to wow. You might even find a few things for yourself. Shop now at KendraScott.com and enjoy 15% off your order with code JOY15. Tis the season to give joy. Yeah, this is, honestly, these two questions are who I wrote the book for. You know, I, I personally was an introvert, very, very shy kid uh, in New York City, not from New York, by myself, and didn't like talking to people. And I had no network. You know, my parents at that point were like in Colorado. I just knew my roommates. I didn't know anybody. My, my, the most money I'd ever made was hand modeling. So, you know, hand models don't even make that much money. Like that was my network. 
literally. Um, and so that's who I wrote the book for because I get these questions a lot, right? I think that the first thing you have to do in order to open conversations with people is one, just to introduce yourself, right? Just to say, hello, how are you? And make a compliment, right? That's the one thing that I learned when doing the show, Sell Like Sirhan, that people just, they don't instinctually do, which is strange, right? Nice dress, nice shoes, man. Where did you get them? I love that watch. Where's that hat from? Oh, I see you were in uh, Berlin. You know, your shirt's from Berlin. That's an awesome place. I, I've never been there, but I always wanted to go. What's it like? Like simple compliments to open a conversation because everyone in the universe likes to be complimented and everyone likes to talk about themselves. So your introduction to new people on the street is a compliment that makes them happy and allows them to talk about themselves. But granted, there are going to be some people that don't want to talk. That's fine. There are seven and a half billion people in the world. You don't have to work with everybody, but if you don't swing, you're never going to hit the ball. If you just sit in the dugout waiting waiting, waiting, nothing's ever going to happen. So you have to go out swinging. You have to go out talking to people. Um, And so, you know, what I really kind of did, I I was out of money, man. I mean, I honestly, I'd run out of money. I had no other choice. I had to go into uncomfortable situations and my back was up against a wall. It was either make something work with real estate or go home. You know, that was really it. Go home to Colorado and paint wood fence for the rest of my life. Uh, And that was hell to me, right? I would have rather died. So I had to kind of suck it up, be shameless, and go on the street, you know, talk to people in the coffee shop. My first clients, and I think maybe it was in that blog, some of my first clients were pregnant women. We're just going up to pregnant (laughs) women, complimenting them on how great they looked and asking them if they needed more space. I love that. Right? Like that's, that was, I didn't, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. I would go up to literally strangers. I go up to foreign people, okay, foreigners coming out of Saks Fifth Avenue or Bloomingdale's in Midtown. And I'd ask them how their shopping was and if they were interested in looking for apartments too, if they had extra money to spend. I'd make it funny. I'd be like goofy and awkward. And, you know, I'm at the time I was 24, 25, and I was almost with a full head of gray hair. I think people were super confused. So it wasn't like I was like awesome. You know, it was kind of awkward, uncomfortable. I had khaki pants and a pair of cowboy boots and a collared shirt. Those were my first nice dress-up clothes. So that's, that's what I was doing. And the gym memberships – you know, there were people in my office who were getting clients left and right from their networks. So either they lived in New York or they came from wealthy families or they were really religious, right? So at church, you know, through the church on Sundays, they pick up clients or the synagogue, right? In New York, synagogues are important. They'd meet clients at the synagogue through the rabbi or they, they were parents, right? I worked with people who had kids. They meet other parents who needed to move. I didn't have any of that. Like I just said, my my network was like two roommates who had no money and people that I was hand modeling with like that and people I met on the street. But the one thing I liked doing other than work was go to the gym. And at the gym, I had something in common with people. So it was easy for me to compliment people when I had something in common with them. And that's how I would start my early conversations. And it worked. And so I had one gym membership in lower Manhattan and I started picking up some clients there. And I said, you know what? This is going to be my thing now. I don't, I don't have any other thing. I'm not religious. I don't have kids. I, I'm not part of any youth groups. You know, I'm not part of any other. I'm not, I don't go to the museum. There's, I, I literally just wake up, work out, go to work, sleep. Like that is my life. So you know what? I'll get a gym membership in Midtown because I want to sell apartments in Midtown. And I'll get a gym membership uptown because I'd love to sell apartments uptown. And guess what? People work out at gyms around where they live. And if they can afford a gym membership in New York City at one of these expensive gyms, they probably 
can afford to buy a new apartment or rent a new apartment, or they'll like me and they'll remember me when and if they want to actually move. So that's literally how I built my network. And that's literally how I go up and talk to strangers even to this day. And it's, it's just those two things. You got the gym membership and you use your, you, you just use your candidness about walking up to people and just starting a conversation. One of the things that yeah, it's easy. It's not, I mean, people get so like wrapped up in themselves. It drives me so crazy. Like the worst thing someone can do for me is come up to me and say, I have nothing to do today <laughs> or I don't have any new clients this week. Like it literally, I want to bite my own face off <laughs> because it drives me absolutely insane because I distinctly remember walking the streets of Midtown without a suit, talking to strangers that didn't speak English complimenting them on how beautifully they looked pregnant. Like I, that's what I would do to make new clients. And the bullshit that I hear from the millennial and the Gen Z generations these days about how they want, 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 but they won't actually do the damn work drives me absolutely crazy. But I just want to tap into that because what you, what I'm hearing at the moment is you were able to compliment people, but what I saw on the TV show and I put the word down therapist. You get people to open up to you like I've never seen. I've never seen anyone open up to a sales someone they class as a salesperson as if they're on the, the a couch at a therapy session. Like why why did people on that show? Was it the nature of being on TV and it was something that was there? Do people naturally open up to you? And is that because you've got this this empathetic sales strategy? Because you like as you say in your book, you're not a used car salesman. You're trying to close the deal, not close the person. Like. Why do people? Why did people open up to you the way they did on the show? And is that is that down to your your natural nature, or is that something that you've learned? Uh, the three most important things that any salesperson can have, whether they're selling real estate, cars, pencils, or shoes on eBay, is enthusiasm. Right. This is what I look for when I meet new salespeople. You have to have enthusiasm. You have to be able to tell a good story. You have to be excited about something. I don't care what it is. You got to be able to be enthusiastic about something. So even if you don't like the product you're selling, you can be enthusiastic about it because that's what you're selling. You're selling enthusiasm for your product, right? The second is energy. Okay. I call these my three E's energy. You have to wake up happy. You have to wake up positive. If you're not a positive person, then you should not be a salesperson. Those are the only types of people that I'd say, you know what, maybe sales isn't for you because you should, you should be sad. You should stay at home. And you should go do something else. I don't know. Like if you can't wake up and make yourself be positive, then you need to slap yourself in the face and you should go do something else. Okay? Because life is hard for everybody. And there's a lot of people who have it a lot worse than you do. So empathy is the third one. Okay? So we've got enthusiasm, energy, and then the third E is empathy. You have to be able to connect with somebody. You have to be able to put yourself in their shoes. You have to be able to say to them, I understand what you're going through and mean it. So for me, selling real estate in New York, when someone says to me, hey, listen, you know, I'm having a hard time affording this purchase, right? We, I've got to say, I understand. Let's work through it. I'll talk to this banker. I'll talk to that banker. We can make it work. So em- empathy, enthusiasm, and energy. Now, Ryan, I'm just very aware of time right now, and I hugely appreciate you coming on the show. No I'm, a, I'm a salesperson. I've, I've done everything from uh, cold calling, door knocking, through to having to sell my own product. Your book, I, I, I don't blow smoke and Harry knows I'm as direct as they come. I thoroughly enjoyed it and learned a lot and I thought I was a really good salesperson. Who have you written this book for? Who should go and pick it up and when's it available? I Honestly, I, I wrote the book for anybody who wants to do better. Right? I wrote it for 
anybody who thinks that maybe they, they're not even a salesperson, uh, but they could be, right? So if you're at work and you want a job, you know, you want a pay raise, you want a better job, you should buy this book and learn how to do that. If you want to make some extra cash on the weekends, but you love your Monday through Friday job, you should get this book and learn how to make extra cash on the weekends. If you already are a salesperson, and there are many of us around the world, you should get this book and learn how to sell more. You know, I wrote it for the people who are either you know, at the bottom of the food chain as salespeople and people who are at the top. Because I think there's something to be taken out of it for everybody. And Ryan, lastly for me, what was the motivation for the book? You've got a lot on. You've, you're a million dollar listing. You've got the TV show. Why did you feel compelled to write the book and put it into the world? Like, why don't you just keep dominating at what you're doing? What is the, I'm always curious, what motivated you to write this in the first place? Well, I, since I got into the business, I was keeping notes on deals and what I'd learned because I, I you know, I, so much goes on every single day. I forget things like everybody else. So I keep notes, you know, kind of like a diary you know, on this deal. I learned this on this deal. This client was crazy. This is what they said to me. And I kind of taught myself how to sell. Really, I didn't have a mentor. You know, I didn't read a sales book. There wasn't any sales book that could teach me how to sell what I was selling. And so all of those notes, I kind of turned them into an agent uh, playbook that I would give out to my team members you know, over the years. And I would add stuff to it and I would build it out and I'd add stuff to it. And then when I did sell it like Sirhan, I really realized that everything that I've learned through selling high-end real estate in New York City can really be, can really help salespeople all over the world who sell anything, not just real estate at all. And that if I'm going to give back in any way, shape or form, what I've learned, I can take my sales playbook that I give out privately. I'll expand on it like crazy and I'll flush it out and I'll turn it into a real book for people and an audio book, right? That I'll personally read. And I hope it helps people make more money. And that's the whole reason I did it. Ryan, I thoroughly enjoyed the book. It literally arrived in my office yesterday at 10 o'clock. I've had a lack of sleep because I wanted to make sure I cranked my way through it to make sure I have some context for today's show. If someone's listening to this before September the 18th, can they pre-order the book? You can pre-order the book now. Go to sellitlikesirhan.com. You can pre-order it anywhere, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, sellitlikesirhan.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Follow my blog, youtube.com slash ryansirhant.com. Uh, would love to meet all of your followers. I think they're great people if they listen to you guys. And listen, my wife will absolutely murder me if I don't make one ask on the show. We're looking at going to New York <laughs> New York next year. She's a huge fan. She's a salesperson. She actually taught me sales. Uh, and then now I dominate and crush her. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but if we head over and you're in, she said, will you give her two minutes for a selfie? Sure, let's do it. Awesome stuff, Ryan. Thanks so much for being on the show. Best of luck with everything that you're doing. The vlog is awesome. I appreciate what you put out. I know it's hard work. I try and do something similar on a much smaller scale and it overwhelms me. Huge congrats on your success, bud. All right, thanks guys. 